This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com with your hosts, Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Mark Fishkin, Dan Dickinson here with you tonight. Boy, it's a busy time, and we are in the thick of it, and the Red Bulls are in the thick of it because they've got six matches all in over the uh, the 18 days that started on Tuesday when they whooped the NASL's Atlanta Silverbacks. And we're going to have a, a derby week unlike, I think, any other in New York soccer history in a couple weeks. Tonight on Seeing Red, we're going to talk about those that this unbelievable uh, run for the Red Bulls the obstacles, the priorities they, that they, they may have, that they should have, that the fans want them to have. We're going to talk about players coming back from injury. We're going to talk about injured players and their status. We're going to talk about New York's most, uh, rather, the upcoming match this weekend, which is, of course, on Saturday evening against the Vancouver Whitecaps, who the Red Bulls have never beaten. We're going to talk to the head coach of the New York Red Bulls, that's Jesse Marsh, and we'll get to some of your emails, and we'll give some prizes away, and we'll do some fun stuff like that. It is a jam-packed seeing red. It's almost as jam-packed, Dan, as New York's schedule from now through July 4th. So much going on, Mark, but, you know, more soccer, it's hard to complain about. It's definitely hard to complain, also when you consider everything else going on in the soccer world right now. But, of course, we're here to talk about the New York Red Bulls. On Tuesday night, the last place team in the NASL, the Atlanta Silverbacks, stroll into Red Bull Arena, and they get dismantled by the Red Bulls. New York's first win of any kind since May 10th. 3 nothing. two quick goals in the first half by Lloyd Sam. And hello, Ronald Zubar. So nice to see you again. His first meaningful minutes since opening day. Um, Atlanta yeah, pushed a little bit back, pushed back a little bit in the second half. And then Sean Davis with his first goal at the professional level um, sends New York to the fifth round of the U.S. Open Cup, who we found out today they will be playing the New York Cosmos at Red Bull Arena on July 1st. Let's rewind and go back to that Atlanta match. Dan, what do you take away from a drubbing against an opponent that, frankly, New York was supposed to beat? Well, it's it's reassuring because that's the sort of game that everybody screams trap game about. And, you know, with the history of this club in the Open Cup, you know, one one might have been expected for a, a little bit of a bumpier road. But I think all three of the goals, you know, were reassuring in different ways. I think, you know, the first one and and even Bradley's work on the third one, you know, you see Bradley evolving into this role where he's not just poaching goals as he was last year, but he's setting people up. You know, he ran onto that long ball from Dax on the first goal and waited and saw Lloyd Sam coming, fed him perfectly, you know, game winner in the seventh minute. Nobody's going to complain about that. The second goal, you have, uh, you know, a pretty well-executed set piece. This team does not historically score from a lot of set pieces. And to be able to to have a defender pounce on it like Ronald Zubar did coming back from injury, um, you know, was was a nice thing to see just for him and a, a good goal for the team to score. And then uh, that that third goal, people, if you haven't watched this, pull up mm-hmm. the YouTube archive and fast forward and find this goal because it it starts with this very smart dribble from Connor Lade to to shake off a defender. He feeds it forward to Bradley. Bradley finds the right pass to Mike Grella. Grella Zinho, you know, <laughs> hits his, his seventh skill move of the night and back heels it to Sean Davis, 
who just blasted at the Atlanta goalkeeper, who, you know, gets a hand on it but can't keep it up. Lovely team goal, lots to like about it, and it, it's the sort of attacking spark I think the team's been missing over the last month. Well, I know Red Bull fans sure hope that it's the attacking spark. Obviously, when you're playing a team like Atlanta that won once in 10 matches in the NASL season, it's uh, really kind of a confidence booster, I think, more than anything else. Yes, I agree, Dan, they, they could have taken this as a trap game. The, the, the point that Jesse Marsh, uh, who will obviously be joining us in the second segment, uh, noted was they wanted to make sure that New York Red Bulls fans understand that this Open Cup is important to them. It is a meaningful trophy. New York is now four wins away from a berth in the CONCACAF Champions League for next year. And so you have to think that if you you not only um, illustrate by word, you also illustrate by deed. By winning, of course, it puts New York's schedule challenge it makes it even more t- even even more challenging because New York now is going to be playing Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, and three days after New York travels to Yankee Stadium for the first time to play Man City Light, they have to turn around and then host, thank goodness, the Cosmos rather than that horrendous plastic pitch in Hempstead uh, at Red Bull Arena in in two back to back important derby games and. If you were the New York press, A, you, you have to pick this week to pay attention to what's going on in New York soccer. If you didn't get a chance to watch NYCFC at Cosmos last night, it was a ro- rollicking match that uh, the blue team went out two goals, the Cosmos came back scoring in the 90th minute to tie it, and then winning in penalty kicks. And... Uh, Certainly, the New York press paid attention last night. It'll be interesting to see what kind of attention uh, the the small team on the uh, wrong side of the Hudson gets when they take part in these matches. Well, and and I think if you look back to the first NYCFC match in Harrison, you know the the press box was practically overflowing for that. Game. In fact, I think we did have some overflow people on the on the roof deck level where the, mm-hmm. the broadcast booths are. So um, I, it's going to be a fun week to be covering the sport. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure a lot of other people are. And uh, Mark, what was it that you, you said that the Cosmos uh, NYCFC game should have been a meteor game? Well, yes, that's a meteor game, right? That's <laughs> a game you hope the meteor hits the stadium and destroys everybody and both the teams in it. But that didn't happen. What happened, frankly, was a, a thrilling match, even as a neutral. It was very, very exciting to see. So, uh, so New York three nothing win over Atlanta. Do you have a bowl for for this match? Uh, Gee, that, that's tough because, you know, the, the team played very well. I, I, I'm going to give it to Jesse Marsh because, uh, you know, mm. after all, of, if the narrative for the week was, is the team going to take it seriously to trot out, what's a first 11, even if the team's coming off a bye week and, you know, has some rest and everything, um, playing your first choice starters in the Open Cup when, you know, I uh, my understanding is that D.C. played basically their third string for the most part. And got taken to overtime. They they did, but you know they 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 prevailed over Pittsburgh. Um, you know it, it's very easy for MLS teams to slack off on this. And credit to Jesse for showing that saying that he was going to take it seriously was not just empty words, as uh, fans may have heard in the past. 
Sounds good. I'm going to give mine to Sean Davis. Anytime you're an academy player that scores your first goal for the first team, it's a special moment. Sean's been a part of the Red Bulls family for a very, very long time. He was on the NPSL championship team from last season and has shown well in the minutes that he's received this year and scores his first goal, as you said, Dan, off a terrific, really a team goal. And Sean was the first to say this was all about the team and Grella's back heel and thank the, his time in the academy. Uh, very, very gracious. So I'm going to give mine to Sean Davis. And I'm going to go first with Cow, if you don't go mind. For it. Um, there were maybe a thousand people in Red Bull Arena, 1,500 people in Red Bull Arena for this match. Uh, every season ticket holder, and you have to figure from numbers that we've been heard been cited, about 10,000 of them received an invite from the team to attend the game. Tickets were free. They just had to respond. 5,500 of them took, took, took the Red Bulls up on it, and less than half of that many actually came to the arena. And if folks, you out there are wondering why the, the mainstream press does not, in fact, respect or pay attention to this team, it's nights like that. And when the team is paying, playing, excuse me, for a, a meaningful trophy, uh, the the apathy from the fan base was palatable. And yes, it certainly got loud because the the South Ward, which I think was about thirty mm, percent full, twenty five percent full, uh, were in full voice. But it was certainly audible from where I was sitting in the broadcast booth for Red Bulls Radio. You could hear the players talking to each other, and. I know it will be different against the Cosmos on July 1st because of the nature of what that game will be, and the Cosmos will certainly bring uh, buckets of fans with them. I'm sure hundreds and hundreds of fans will come. But Red Bull fans, you got to show up, and you got to show up and, you approve, and prove that you are supporting of Major League Team. And I, I get it. It's Tuesday night. From 5 to 6, there was a ton of rain and traffic this and that. Um, it was it was embarrassing. It was an embarrassing crowd, frankly. So uh, the fans that did not show up uh, moo to you. Dan, thoughts? Couldn't have said it better, Mark. So not only did we see Zubar return, um, of course, New York lost Lloyd Sam in during the game to a groin injury. Jesse Marsh is going to talk about Sam's status, so we're not going to tease that right here. Good thing to know, Matt Miazga, fresh from the U-20s, is back in camp. And we've also uh, learned that Sal Zizo is nearing fitness once again, uh, which is terrific, just at a time when New York needs it. Of course, Carl, we met, is still away. Kamar Lawrence is still uh, playing for Jamaica in Copa America. And when he's done, I would imagine he's going to shift right to Gold Cup camp, uh, may or may not return. And so... Uh, Players coming back, offering a little bit of depth, it will certainly be nice to see. Definitely, and uh, you know, good. Definitely good to have Matt back. The center back pairings have been a little shaky, but we might have a, a little bit of a Sophie's choice, if you will, um, between mm-hmm. Miazga and Perinel and Zubar. Now that he's healthy again, um, and who, who would you go with? I would probably go with. Uh, Miazga Zubar, but knowing that Zubar will probably get injured again, Paranel. 
I would probably go with Miazga and Paranel. And, and, you know, lots of players are going to get lots of opportunities to play during this, this tough run and this very, very crowded schedule. So, uh, I don't know. I, th- I think Miazga and Paranel certainly worked well, and I'd like to see him back. So, before we get to the preview for Saturday's game against Vancouver, we just want to give our listeners, you may not have been aware, the details on the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, this morning, Thursday morning at Soccer House in Chicago, the draw for the most of the remainder of the Open Cup took place. The Red Bulls, uh, as you heard earlier, will host the New York Cosmos on July 1st at 7.30. That's a Wednesday. Because of the luck of the draw, should New York win, New York will also host the winner of the Philadelphia Union and D.C. United. Of course, that match is going to be a little strange because it's currently scheduled the day of or a day before the Red Bulls are uh, going scheduled to play Chelsea in the International Champions Cup, and they'll be intrigued for another week. Should New York get past that match, they would be in the semifinals that they would also host against a team coming out of the U.S. Soccer's South Regional, which will be either Chicago, Charlotte of the USL, Orlando, or Columbus. Uh, and the notion of hosting all the way through the semifinal is certainly really attractive considering the number of games that New York will play. So, uh, you know, up, I, I encourage everyone to get up for the Cup. The U.S. Open Cup uh, section can be found on ussoccer.com. And it's the oldest uh, soccer tournament, regularly held tournament, uh, soccer tournament in the country. So, and, and it does have that CONCACAF Champions League spot. Dan, any thoughts? I mean, I know that you and I were talking this week about the meaning of the Open Cup. Has New York's win and now this upcoming game against the Cosmos changed your opinion at all? No, I don't think so. I, I, I think what I've taken away from the fourth round as somebody who's generally been a little apathetic about the U.S. Open Cup is that the games have been much better this year. Um, hmm, you know, the, the the Cosmo City game was a lot of fun to watch last night, helped by the fact that there were some big misses and some late goals and a penalty shootout. Um, we actually had dueling penalty shootouts between that and the Charles Orlando, Orlando game, which yeah. was um, thrilling to try and call on Twitter in, in simultaneousness, but <laughs> never mind that. I, I stopped after a couple of shoot, uh, shots. Yes. Um, I, I will say that the draw has been very favorable to the Red Bulls, um, especially the way that uh, U.S. soccer has structured things this year. The fact that they know now that they will get three consecutive home games should they keep winning um, really does put them in a good spot. I think I saw, it, it might have been Merritt Paulson complaining about the format, that the last few winners typically only play one away game in their path to win the Cup. And so, mm. as That's it stands... Fun. It doesn't even necessarily mean it's the Red Bulls because who you know if they make the final that they could play that at home too. That could be at home against whoever's in comes out of the uh, West or Central regions. Um, so we'll see. Um, I think there are still a lot of things I would like to get improved with the Open Cup. I think the schedule congestion's a little silly. Um, I'd rather see MLS you know have some break weekends for it like they do for the FA Cup. But um, yeah. I'm kind of dreaming there of a world where things are. Where I am the Don, as they say. Yes. Um, but you know, it's going to be a really thrilling rematch with the Cosmos. I think the Red Bulls will be out for revenge, and I think the Cosmos will be out so that they can claim the imaginary title of uh, best and Wesley soccer team. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, no, it's it, it's fun, and I'm a little down of the notion that only two minor league teams have advanced to the round of 16. Uh, the Cosmos being one, obviously, and Charlotte Independence, which is a first-year USL team, went up to Boston and beat the Revs one nothing last night. So uh, I guess they're the Cinderellas, and we'll it, see what kind. It was of an incredible goal. I recommend everybody watch that. All right. Hey, New York, please. The Vancouver Whitecaps Saturday at 7 p.m. The match will actually be on MSG, which I think it's the first MSG match in months. Uh, so we will appreciate having the MSG crew calling the game. Let's talk just a little bit about Vancouver. Vancouver um, is eight six and two on the season. They for twenty six points. They're currently sitting second in MLS better uh, conference, the West. Although this is not the team that came out of the gate so quickly. They have played two more, three more games than New York, but they've only scored one more goal. And I think the notion, at least in the early part of the season, they, along with Dallas, were killing teams early. They beat Philadelphia 3-0. They beat the Galaxy 2-0. Um, so, you know, they, they did have some big wins, but they played four straight one-goal matches, and they're one in th- and three in those last four games. They lost at Vancouver. They lost. Uh, they beat Salt Lake at home. They lost at Montreal, and they lost uh, at LA. And so they they come into New York. They obviously have talented players, speedy technical players like Octavio Rivero, who tore it up in the first month of the season. Six goals and two assists. Pedro Morales is their uh, their man in the middle. Three goals and four assists leads the team. Speedy Darren Maddox from the Jamaican national team. Three goals and assists. I'm curious, actually, if Maddox may or may not be away. Dan, maybe you can find that out as I ramble. Kakuta Mane, two goals and assists. Uh, and assist leaders, uh, players like Stephen Betashore with two assists. Uh, Pablo Nuka, formerly of... Portland Timbers with two assists as well. So this is a team that hasn't scored a ton of goals. Um, they look a, a, kind of a bit like New York, even though their second eight six and two is you know, eight wins is great, but they've won as uh, they've lost or tied just as much as they've won. And of course, New York is looking to get back in the win column at home. Their last home game, the two nothing shell shocking loss at the hands of Philadelphia Union on May twenty fourth. Um, so, also, throw in the notion that New York has not beaten Vancouver since they've entered MLS. Uh, they are 0-2-3 uh, against Vancouver all-time. The last time the clubs played was a year and a half ago. It was opening night in 2014 when Bradley Wright Phillips got his first goal of the season sandwiched around four Vancouver goals where New York looked all out of shape in the back, and obviously things came together for New York last year. But uh, other than that, the only other players that have scored all-time against Vancouver, Heath Pierce, Juan Agudelo, and Luke Rogers in 2011. So uh, there certainly could be a first. Obviously, Vancouver has to fly all the way across the country to play um, the New York Red Bulls. The last time they flew all the way across the country, they lost to Montreal 2-1 to one on June 3rd. So this is a team that's done quite a bit of cross-country travel. Um, quality players, for sure. New York will be full of confidence after beating Atlanta at home, but this is a much stiffer test, Dan. Uh, it is, and Vancouver, I think, every year gets the gets pegged with the dark horse title because they look pretty good and nobody's really sure what they're going to do and they'll hit a couple hot streaks. Um, 
and you can't really count them out. They've been good. I think they've made the playoffs twice now uh, since they joined mm-hmm. the league, mm-hmm. which is uh, impressive compared to their Canadian brethren. Um, so it, it's going to be a tough test, and, and Jesse's talked about that. He, he certainly mentioned it at training today. They sit back. They hit you on the counter. They've got speed. They've got quality in the middle, um, and and you've got to watch out for them. Um, I did look, and Darren Maddox is away with Jamaica at Copa America, so nice. that may make things slightly better. But I, you know, I wouldn't count out the rest of their squad. Um, it's still a good team, and you know, credit to Carl Robinson who retired um, to, and then took that job. Um, he's he's got them doing the right thing. So uh, it should be a fun game on Saturday. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. We do want to bring your attention to a couple of events that will be happening over the next uh, couple of weeks, and we will, of course, remind you as we get closer. The Kicking and Screening Film Festival is kicking off on Tuesday the 23rd with uh, a whole bunch of terrific soccer films. It's at the Tribeca Film Festival. On Twitter on Monday, we're going to give away some passes for the film, and uh, among the things that we're that were just added today, if, if I'm correct, Dan, is there's going to be a pro-rel panel. Yeah, is, that, is that correct? That's correct. After the Tuesday night films, including uh, what I've been told is an excellent documentary about my beloved Swansea, I can't believe I just said beloved, uh, Jack to a King, <laughs> there, there's going to be a panel with, uh, I think, the Swansea chairman, the director of the film, Eric Stover, uh, ex-RBNY uh, right. VP, and uh, I believe an ex-trumpeter from the ESC named Matt Doyle. Oh, my goodness. You may know him as MLS analyst. Yes, Yes. that should be a a thrilling, thrilling excuse to eat even more popcorn. In addition to that, uh, Microsoft Windows has put together a very, very interesting promotion for the match at Yankee Stadium. Um, There'll be, let's see... Basically, on Saturday night, the 27th, there'll be a competition to see whether New York is truly red or truly blue. Uh, there'll be two ways to cast your vote. You can go to the MLS Soccer website uh, starting on Wednesday, the 24th, and or you can tweet hashtag WinRBNY. That will be starting on Tuesday, the 24th. Um, there are also going to be events in and around the city leading up to that game. So the Steve Nash Chinatown Showdown will be on the 24th. Um, there'll be a uh, Legends Bar event on Thursday the 25th. And then, of course, there's kicking and screening on the 26th. And then the Empire State Building lighting at dusk. And so, uh, again, Microsoft Windows is going to be putting this together. So just remember next week, Tweets uh, of WinRBNY, and that will turn the Empire State Building red for Saturday night, the night before uh, New York takes on NYCFC at Yankee Stadium. When we're back on Seeing Red, we're going to talk to the head coach of the New York Red Bulls, and his name is Jesse Marsh. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Back at Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, Dan Dickinson, Mark Fishkin. It's a busy, busy time, and one person who's at the center of making sure that this team is managed correctly is the head coach of the New York Red Bulls, Jesse Marsh. How are you tonight, Jesse? Good. How are you guys? We are very well and very excited for what will be a very busy three-week period. 
let's start here. How can you, given some of the departures that you have off the squad, manage minutes and priorities when you're going to be playing in two different competitions over the next three weeks? Yeah, that's a good question, uh, and I'm not sure I have all the answers. So, um, you know, we're uh, we're going to be tested in, in a lot of different ways in how we recover, in our depth. Um, but, you know, I think that we've, uh, over the course of the, you know, five, six months now that we've become a team, we've, we've managed, I think, to create clarity on the field and roles. And, and, you know, I do think we have a lot of depth in our team and, and we're going to call on a lot of different guys. And, and it's good because I think that there's a lot of guys that are itching to show, uh, that they're ready, that, that they've, uh, developed and gotten better over the season. And, and some of the young guys, I think, have started to establish themselves within the team through training. So it, it's time for some of them to get opportunities. So, you know, that's what it's going to involve. We're going to, it's going to have to be game to game, but, you know, also we know that there will involve rotation at different times. Is there a way as a coach that you can put, uh, priorities on different games? You've got some league games that are out of conference. You've got uh, what I know the league anticipates being the biggest match, which will obviously be in the Bronx. And then you've got the Open Cup game where, uh, you know, after the win this week where, where you were very, very adamant about wanting to go and win that tournament. Do you, do you, are you ranking these games in order? Are you taking them as they come? How, how are you going to figure out uh, where, to, where to put your focus? Um, the first two games, I think, uh, we will have uh, enough recovery time that I think we can get through them, you know, and, and be just fine. You know, the, the biggest, uh, challenge I think will come next weekend now when, when we play New York City on Sunday. And then most likely we'll turn around on the Wednesday and, and play the Cosmos. So, uh, you know, <clears throat> that, that, that will probably require a little bit, um, bit of management, you know, but if you, if you went position by position, I, I think we should be able to get through it. You know, we have, now we know we have three strong center backs and, and making sure that those three are ready um, and, and given opportunities, I think, you know, that we'll be able to cover things there. Uh, I think when Connor Lade has had to step in at outside back that he's done a good job and we know we can count on him at right back or left back. Uh, you know, Sean Davis, I think has shown, uh, that he's ready for opportunities. So, you know, the ability to, to rotate at, at, if we need to, the four of those guys in the middle for the three spots. And then, you know, Sal Vizzo will be coming back. Um, Abong's been establishing himself. So we'll be able to ha- create a little bit of rotation with the front three guys as well. So, you know, I, I think we're looking to get through the first two games and, and, and obviously even just take the game on Saturday and make sure we get a result there. But, but then it'll get a little bit uh, trickier once we get into that Sunday, Wednesday, and then into the following Saturday rotation. Jesse, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't take a second to talk about the result on Tuesday. Pretty convincing 3 nothing win over Atlanta. Now that you've had a little time to digest and maybe watch some tape, what were your takeaways from the performance? Well, first, you know, those games are always a challenge to see what your team's mentality can be like on on a day where – you know, in theory, they're playing a lesser opponent. And I thought that our team stepped on the field from the first minute and didn't take it lightly, handled the game the right way. Um, they they put, put Atlanta in a tough game immediately with how we pressed, with how sharp we were with the ball. And it was, it was really good to see uh, our team from minute one to minute 90 
handle that game, you know, with the strong mentality that was necessary. Then, you know, I mean, there's been talk about lots of different things about are we, how are we going to score goals? We've been giving up goals lately. So I think after having, you know, three games in a row where we struggled in different areas, uh, but, but I continue to be encouraged by how our team plays and how our team defends as a group and, and the types of chances that we create in games. And now to go through a game and not give much away and now uh, score three goals and, 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 you know, we could have even scored more. So overall, uh, there's a lot of positive marks with how we continue to show uh, the team that we're becoming. Now, Jesse, one of the things that Mark and I have been talking about in light of the game that was a little disappointing was the attendance. And, you know, I, my feeling is that it's sort of gone back to this history of this club not taking the Open Cup seriously and the fans sort of believing, OK, you know, we're, it's going to happen the same way every year. But you put out a pretty much first 11 lineup. Um, you've talked a lot about how much this competition means to you. How much of what we saw on Tuesday was trying to send a message to the fans and how much of it was just taking the game normally? Uh, I, you know, I, I, it was made fairly, fairly clear to me in that town hall meeting that the Open Cup was something that the fans wanted to see taken more seriously. Uh, you know, I, I talked about at that time that, you know, that the Open Cup is something that I, I value. But this team also values it. You know, the players are excited to to compete in this tournament, and and they they look at it as an opportunity to win a championship. So, you know, I, I'm not overly concerned or focused on the fact that the fans. I understand that the fans, you know, want to see a, a more honest attempt to compete in that tournament. But what I'm concerned about is that our team shows a character at all moments in all games. And every time that we step on the field, we step on the field to win. And, and that doesn't matter if it's, you know, what tournament we're in or what guys are on the field, you know, this continues to be a focus and a mentality on us as a group, on each individual understanding what their roles are when they step on the field and committing themselves to each other at the highest level. And I think we've gotten that every day from, how we train to how we show up to work every day to how we play, uh, you know, in every game that we step on the field together. So, uh, you know, I think that already there's uh, our identity of, of who we are and how we want to play is becoming cemented for, you know, years to come. And, and there's been so many positive signs about our team and our players and it's good to get results. You know, I said in the beginning that, but the early results validated, you know, what we're doing and how we're doing it. We go through a, a little spell where we don't get as many results, but I still felt that in many ways the performances were as good. And, you know, I tried not to focus too much on the results because you miss so many details if that's all you care about. And, and over time, obviously, as the season goes on, results will become more and more important, and they already have become with the Open Cup tournament coming at us. But, you know, I, I need to make sure that along the way we don't skip steps, that we that we don't fail to include uh, all the little details and, and the tactical ideas and the commitment of the mentality and, and that we don't leave things behind as we're moving ourselves along. And I think that even through the losses, we've identified more things that, that we need to continue to get stronger with. Uh, so I think that's, you know, for me, I, I really enjoyed uh, being part of this team. And I think that, you know, there's, there's only bigger and better things to come. 
Jesse, if there was any black mark on the match on Tuesday, it was that Lloyd Sam had to come out early in the first half with an injury. Can you update our listeners on how Lloyd is and whether they can expect to see him on the field on Saturday? I think Saturday is probably unlikely. I wouldn't put it um, you know, on the question quite yet, but um, the, it, it makes even if he you know is close to being available with the groin, I think it makes more sense to be a little bit cautious on Saturday and feel like, okay, once we get to Wednesday, then he's he's more likely, and that way we, we don't put him in jeopardy of losing more games as we go here. So um, Lloyd, I've learned Lloyd and his injury um, awareness pretty well, as, and, and he's usually pretty pretty clear on how he feels about different things and pretty accurate about, you know, judging how bad it is. And, and I don't, you know, he doesn't think this one's bad. He's come along nicely in the last few days. But I think, it, again, I think it'll be unlikely for Saturday. Jesse, you've also got uh, a couple faces in camp that haven't uh, – you've got one that hasn't been there in a while in Matt Miazga, uh, and you've got two trialists in Trey Williams and Andre Fortune. Uh, what's it like having Matt back after the U-20 World Cup? And uh, talk to us a little bit about the trialists. Well, you know, I, I watched Matt uh, carefully, uh, you know, as his coach, but as a fan as well in the U-20s. Uh, I thought he played really well. He was very aware on the field. You could see his leadership coming across by how he was talking to his teammates, uh, by the kinds of plays he was making. You know, those games were fast. I thought they were good games for the U20 level. Those were some of the best uh, youth games that I'd, I'd seen. And, and you know, I think that Matt came out of that tournament feeling stronger, more confident, a better, smarter, a better leader. Like that team really needed Matt to come up big in that tournament, and I think he did in a lot of ways. And and it's helped him grow. And and whenever you send players away for tournaments like that, you hope that they have the type of experience where they're tested, uh, they're in good games, they play well against you know uh, other players in other countries that are their peers, and that they come back from that tournament stronger and clearer about who they are and what they want to be about. Um, there's no doubt that Max has come back a better player and a better man from this tournament. You can see the confidence he has. You can see the belief he has in himself. Every time he stepped on the field when he was down there, you could see that he wasn't afraid and he was up for the challenge and he put himself in so many difficult spots. Uh, and he and he succeeded. You know, He came out of it uh, with flying colors and, and with, with good grades. So... Um, in training already, I, we've seen a difference in him and his uh, approach and his belief in himself. So it's good to see. I think he's going to continue to establish himself within our group. So that's been really good to have him back, and we're counting on him here uh, for the rest of the season. And, you know, with hey, Andre Fortune – sorry, go ahead. No, go right ahead, Jesse. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. With Andre Fortune and Trey Williams, you know, I think that they've done well. You know, they're young guys. They're, they're still uh, adapting to the speed at which we play. Um, but you know it's been good to have them in camp, and, and you know we'll see we'll see how that all adds up. But but I think they've both done well for themselves. Jesse, you've got the Vancouver Whitecaps coming into town. The Red Bulls have never beaten Vancouver in any form uh, in their in their brief history in the league, and they've got some speedy guys that might certainly be looking to hit us on the counter. How do you yeah. uh, attempt to to avoid? the mistakes that have um, cost you guys goals the last month? 
Well, it's a, you know, it's not an easy game. We know that they're good on the counter and, and, you know, that's, that's been an area that, that we've continued to need to address because we often play in the other team's end and, and we, we're usually attacking and possessing the ball. So, you know, we're susceptible for the counter at different moments. Uh, one of the things we try to do is tactically arrange ourselves and have balance within our team so that while we have the ball and while we're trying to manipulate things to create chances, that if we do lose the ball or, or if there are turnovers, that we aren't susceptible and don't leave their attacking players with a lot of space to turn and come at us. Uh, so that'll be a major key. You know, we'll have to factor uh, in Kakuta Mane and, and his his uh, types of movements and ideas and, and, and how good he is on the counter. We'll have to keep track of Pedro Morales. I think he's one of the top attacking midfielders in the league, and, and if you give him time and space, he can really hurt you. So I think, you know, the ability to, to hone in on those two and to understand where they are on the field and, and what they're good at will be important for our defenders. You know, but I, I, I know that we're going to put a good center back pairing on the field and uh, we'll make sure that they, they know what their responsibilities are. And, you know, we'll, we'll also put an emphasis on not losing balls in bad areas and making sure that, you know, as much as we might have the ball and, and be pressing to, to try and find chances that, we do it in a way where we don't leave ourselves susceptible to, to uh, numbers down situations in the counter. And Jesse, before we let you go, uh, looking a week ahead, you've got NYCFC in the Bronx, as Mark mentioned earlier, and then you've got this U.S. Open Cup match. Is it, does does the fact that it's going to effectively be a double derby week add to the pressure, or is it just one more game? No, I think it. I think it makes it awesome. I think it brings excitement to our club, to our players. You know, I already I've seen our players love to play in these kinds of games. I think they rose to the challenge uh, when we went, when we played in the first New York Derby and, and the way that we played in that game. And even when we went to Seattle and played in front of that crowd and in that kind of game, we were a little unlucky not to come out of that game with more. So, I, you know, I, I think these kind of games make your team and your club better and your players better. So, you know, we're, we're trying to create an environment here where the players are ready to seize important moments and ready to seize moments uh, of greatness. And so, you know, these will be two big challenges once again. And, and by the end of the year, if you can have ways of continuing to collect moments like this and add up and respond to big moments and, and show that you're ready for them and do well in them, then, then you know, come playoff time, your team's battle-tested and, and ready to go. So... Um, the more the more big games that we can get our team into uh, as the season moves on, the better we'll be for it. Jesse Marsh is the head coach of the New York Red Bulls. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Seeing Red. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Take care. Your emails after this, it's seeingred at backheel.com. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Seeing Red, your soccer roundup. Mark Fishkin, Dan Dickinson. Where are you, Dave? You know, folks, we give away, with based on our fantastic relationship with the Red Bulls, uh, for the next four months, every, every show at Seeing Red, we're going to give away four lower bowl tickets plus field passes to watch player warm-ups right on the field. All you have to do is you have to write us at seeingredny at gmail.com with the best email of the week, or you can call the Seeing Red voice line, and I'm going to read it slowly, 
973-602-9161. That's 973-602-9161. You do that, and uh, you, you, you have the best email or voicemail to us, and you'll have four free tickets to a Red Bulls game, plus the ability to watch the players warm up on the field. And if you've never done that, it is a very, very fun experience. Uh, we have a couple of tweets, and we have a couple of emails. We had asked, uh, well, let's get to one email first, then we'll get some tweets, then we'll get our winner. Here's Spencer Harden, who's writing us from Montgomery, Alabama. Spencer writes, Felipe and Dax have performed admirably at center defensive mid, with Sam and Sasha generally impressing as well. I just don't see Grizzo as starting material. I think New York has to sign a DP to play on that wing or to play in the middle and move Sasha wide left. With a newly adopted attitude of the front office, it seems that under more a more under-the-radar DP is more likely to happen. I have no problem with this as long as they're dependable, productive, and not in the twilight of their careers. You threw out Podolsky last show, which I really liked. Wesley Snyder, Joel Campbell, Aaron, Lel- uh, Aaron Lennon, or even Sean Wright Phillips are all players that I think I could ha- could enhance our attack. Which of those five do you think we'd have the best shot at landing should New York target them? Additionally, we need a reliable backup for BWP. A bong is a talent, but too raw to step in as a starter, and should BWP go down? I don't see why New York shouldn't go after talented players who aren't necessarily starters every game within MLS, like Akindeli, Maddox, Mane, Jack Mack, etc. What do you guys think? Dan, Spencer Harden from Alabama is writing us. Any thoughts here? Uh, I feel like every week we get a... Who, who should we send a DP letter? And and I I am not a good scout of talent. I, I will be the first to put my hand up and say that I agree with the uh, dependable, talented, and not in the twilight of their career metrics. Um, <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be the Drogba you know rumor that's been circulating because um, that's certainly a twilight of the career. Yes. A reliable goal scorer, or you know, somebody who can play at the wing or at forward. Like a young Terry Henry, it would be lovely. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, it's always a little bit of a crapshoot going into the summer window. Um, it's certainly a better chance to get talent from Europe than it is in the January window. Um, more players are able to move just because the European season hasn't started yet. And so we'll see what the team does, um, you know, after after being shockingly surprised that they are taking the U.S. Open Cup seriously. Maybe they're serious about finding the right player over the summer. Well, this, the transfer window opens on July 7th, and we did talk to Jesse about a couple of trialists that are in camp. Certainly not anyone that's going to blow anybody's hair back, but again, I don't think that's what the spirit of what this team is doing. So... Um, Really, really interesting, and I know that we're going to hear more. Jesse is very confident in the ability of his team to get things done. The challenge, of course, is, I believe, is that teams have figured out how to play the New York Red Bulls. And three straight losses. Now, mind you, there's been a bit of bad luck, right? Posts have been hit. Mm-hmm. Um, calls have been made and gone against the team. Uh, but there's plenty of time. The biggest challenge for me is how to get through these six matches uh, in three weeks and come up being able to walk. So it'll be interesting. Well, but Mark, remember, but, last year we said the same thing going into September. Yeah, they, the death march. They got that death march with Seattle and L.A. and D.C. And, you know, yep. it looked like it was over. And, and they, it was. They powered through it. So we'll see. We had a death march. Now we have a Jesse march. Sorry. 
We had asked uh, before we uh, started the show, how would you prioritize Red Bull's matches if you were Jesse Marsh? We got some responses on Twitter. Uh, Corey Vezina says, first, the Derby game, second, the U.S. Open Cup, and third, MLS League games. Funnily enough, 80, 82nd on his list was summer Euro friendlies. Hmm. Hmm. John P., who's Chick Charney on Twitter, says, Open Cup all the way, four wins equals a trophy. Play the reserves slash USL in the friendlies. I don't think the friendlies are really the issue here when you have an Open Cup game sandwiched around four league matches. I think by the time we get to the friendlies, things will have worked themselves out, and we'll know a lot more about uh, New York's future, both in the league as well as in the Cup. Uh, Derby Thomas, Durbles, FIA Derby on Twitter, says, Open Cup number one. Blue Team number two, Eastern League games number three, Western League games number four, 37th getting hit by a bus, and 38th the Chelsea match. So, Well, it's lucky that the Chelsea match won't involve them parking a bus. Never mind. <laughs> well done. Uh, yeah, I, I think the, the hardcores are definitely not feeling Chelsea coming. I, I would have no problem playing... The U18s against Chelsea, just to throw them out there and let them go. I, I think uh, by then all the tickets will be purchased, and uh, Chelsea can win that match 15 nothing for all I care. That's uh, one man's opinion. Nick Abbott is our winner. Nick Abbott uh, will win the four lower bowl seats as well as field passes. He writes, hey, guys, looking forward to the show tonight. I want to ask your thoughts for Jesse's outlook on how to handle the upcoming schedule congestion, including Tuesday night's match. There have been six games in 18 days by July 4th. Is it practical, given the team's taxing high-energy approach, for the team to maintain its same 11 for those games? Should the team use one game to start a mainly second-strength lineup as they did away at New England last year. If so, if so, what bench players would you see expect to play prominent roles? And I think that we heard just a little bit of that during Jesse Marsh's interview, right? He mentioned Connor Laid, who was solid the other night, mentioned Sean Davis, mentioned a apparently healthy uh, Sal Zizo, as well as Anatole Bong. So those are four players that I think are definitely going to get uh, league minutes, if not starts, during this run. The question is, at what point do you kind of take your foot off the gas? You've got two home games against Western opponents. You want to be able to deliver at home. You do. And, you know, it, it's the losses at home that seem to hurt the most. I don't think anybody's going to begrudge the team too much if they get beaten up on the road. But losing from the home fans is always a little little extra brutal, and I think uh, I'm just trying to pull up the schedule real quick. Uh, the only away game that's not a derby in that span Columbus. is Columbus? Yeah, it's on July 4th. Yeah, and then they've got Orlando after the stretch ends, so... And that's a week between games. Yeah, now, so, so. Then, then it gets back down to normal. So, you know, I, I think RSL is probably a potential for a foot off the gas game, if only mm. because they haven't looked as strong as they have in the past. They've been a little wobbly this year. Um, I think, but otherwise, I mean, it's mostly in conference. I don't think you want to let Vancouver come and uh, batter you around the same way they have in the past because they're quite good this year. It, it's going to be a tough stretch. And you definitely need the rotation. Um, you know, we talked about the center back choices, which are good. Mm-hmm. Hopefully some of the, the uh, fullback choices, you know, between Gold Cup and Copa America and all these other call-ups, it, it's getting a little difficult. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that rotation goes. 
Zizo coming back is going to be key um, to keeping a, a good rotation going on the wings. Uh, I think the team has enough talent in the center to keep, you know, swapping around between Sean Davis and Leo Stoltz and everybody else. And yeah, we obviously still have a question at forward unless they're going to play a false nine. So let, um, let, let, I just want to talk about Leo Stoltz for sure. one second. I'm sorry to interrupt because Jesse had mentioned Leo Stoltz during his postgame comments after Atlanta. He was asked about um, about the play of Sean Davis, and he mentioned that Leo Stoltz was the kind of guy who is coming along well at Red Bulls 2, but there are just simply too many people in front of him in the lineup for him to get on there. And you have to think... Um, you have to think that Davis is certainly his number one off the bench. If any of the any of the um, center uh, midfielders go down, we haven't heard a lot about Leo Stoltz. That Red Bulls two team is doing kind of fair to Midland, and Stoltz has at least one goal, if not two. He's the captain of the team. It, it'll be interesting to see just how long it'll take to get him here. It, it will be, and I think it's that he probably needs a little bit more development. I think he got into camp and he got into the the USL team, and it's. You know, he's still a work in progress. He's he's a good prospect. Um, he's clearly got he's a, talent. He's 24. Well, he, it, it, he still needs a little work um, from yeah. what we've seen in the USL game. So, uh, and and Jesse's probably right that there are people ahead of him. So, you know, from everything I've heard, and, and Eric Giacometti was talking about this on Twitter the other day, you know, he's upbeat about it and understands where he is on the team and, you know, doesn't seem frustrated or anything like that. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, I think he he may come good towards the end of the season. Uh, he may be able to play that role, but you know it, it's a question about how Jesse's planning that rotation and where everybody fits together. For sure, for sure, for sure. So, what are your thoughts about? Uh, oh, so we, I don't think we ever did predictions against Vancouver. We did. We're going to close the show for the but let's have some predictions going on here. Dave's away, and we don't remember how the show works anymore. No, we take a week off. It's like, and you are. So, um, predictions with Vancouver. Um, I'm going to call it a one-one draw. Okay. I, uh, I, I, we actually played, my son and I played Vancouver on FIFA just right before the show. And despite a red card when my son went absolutely tackle happy to Chris Duval, uh, Sasha Kleschen scored in the 90th minute to give New York a 2-2 draw. I, I think that's probably, well, just to be different, let's call it a 2-1 New York win. And, uh, New York gets three vital points. And, you know, they, they certainly, the points are certainly vital because over this stretch where New York hasn't won, the rest of the Eastern Conference has caught up to New York. In fact, the 10th team in the conference, those being the Blue Meanies, are only three points back of the Red Bulls, uh-huh. uh, who are in fifth place going into league action this weekend. And that's, you know, it's June, but still, the last thing New York wants to do is fall behind those clowns. So uh, three points right now would be very, very good. In fact... Um, Teams six, three through ten are within six points of each other, and uh, five through ten, including the Red Bulls, are within three points of each other. So there needs to be a little bit of separation, and that'll certainly happen. Well, I don't rest assured that those clowns are playing Toronto on the road after playing 120 minutes yesterday. Yeah. So and Toronto looks like they might actually make the playoffs for the first time in their history. So. Uh, 
Dan Dickinson calls it 1-1. I'll call it 2-1. Thank you to Dan. Thank you to Jesse Marsh for joining us. And thank you for listening to Seeing Where the New York Soccer Roundup. I'm not sure if we'll be back before the RSL game, but if not, we'll certainly be back afterwards to recap a busy week and prep for uh, the, the two Derby games within four days. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for listening, and good night. This has been Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com. Listen anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, and SeeingRedNY.com.